This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is the Primal Podcast. At Primal, hunting is more than just a hobby. It's a way of life. And whether you're an expert or just getting started, Primal can help make you a better hunter. Now, here's your host, Mike Avery. Welcome once again to another edition of the Primal Podcast. Primal Outdoors, this company that is really becoming so well known in the hunting industry and for good reason. They have great products with great designs. They have great fans who use their product and they have some very, very good, in fact, indeed, great pro staffers. This time around, it's my pleasure to talk with one of them. He's a fellow Michigan man by the name of Charlie Wiltsey. Charlie, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Mike. Always great to be on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. We, we come from a similar background. We have the same frame of reference. We're from this great state of Michigan. Absolutely. We sure are, and we love to hunt and fish. Well, and, and as much as we love to hunt and fish, and as lo- much as we love Michigan, you don't hesitate to, to follow the fish and game wherever it takes you. Tell me about your last season, your last deer season, since we've last talked. What adventures have you been on? Well, we spoke last in October, and I had just gotten back from out in Colorado. Had another great archery hunt out there in northwest Colorado. They have an over-the-counter tag, so you're able to, you know, get out west, um, chase elk uh, in, in northwest Colorado is where I really like to do it. Uh, largest population of elk, but yet also with that over-the-counter tags and a lot of those units, it's also the largest population of hunters. But I've been pretty successful over the years there, and I had, uh, had a fantastic uh, six days archery hunting. We hunt really hard. 
Um, you know, we do have the option to hunt a little bit of private ground, but we're on BLM, we're on national forest ground. And I, I did get an opportunity to see some bulls. Wasn't able to harvest a bull, but I did shoot a uh, really, really good-sized cow on the last day. And that elk meat, there's nothing better. Oh, that's for sure. I want to talk a little bit more about this. I've been on a few elk hunts, but I've never, I've never been a successful elk hunter myself. It's um, it's a whole different ball game than whitetails, isn't it? Oh, it sure is. It sure is. Whitetail hunting to me by far is still my number one. But you know, for getting out west and chasing elk, um, I I work really hard at it. I spend a lot of time in the summer training. I I don't want my physical shape to hold me back from anything. So it is really important to try to uh, get yourself in a condition that you know you can get up and down some mountains and and really get after it. Um, but it, it is something else. I mean, you can, you know, you can do still, still hunting, you know, and you're kind of doing a lot of cow calling. You're, you're, you're in areas where, you know, you're playing the wind, right? Just like you would with whitetails. Um, but you're cow calling, you know, kind of waiting until it's later in the afternoon when those, uh, when you know those cows are going to start coming down from the, you know, the top, the high ground coming down to feed more. Or you can just get on your feet and start covering ground, you know, especially September when the, when the rut's on, you know, the more ground you can cover, you know, you're listening, you're also, you're walking, you're, you're playing the wind, you've got to watch your thermals, you know, thermals are so important, but uh, all it takes is, you know, you making that right cow call in that right spot and that bull, bull hears you and then it can be game on and it, it is tough hunting, you know, you could have a, you can have 25 um, chances on hearing that bull in that timber and you know one maybe one time you see the bull so it is tough hunting but when you pull it all together it is so rewarding you've got to be ready for a long shot too in some cases absolutely i mean when you're like when i'm in idaho some of the heavy timber you know you're not going to get you're not going to get a shot anything much longer than 40 yards but uh, there in Colorado, some of that lower country, you know, when we're in four or 5,000 feet, uh, brush country, you know, you could, you could have a shot easily up to 60, 65 yards. And, and again, you know, we've had these conversations, Mike. It's all about practice, practice, practice. And you got to know what you feel comfortable with. When you got a six, 700-pound animal in front of you and, you know, how are your nerves? What's the winds doing, you know? Um, but you definitely want to be able to, to, to get out there for some of them lar- larger, longer shots. Yeah. Could you use whitetail tactics on an elk? And by that I mean, could you put up a primal stand over a water hole or could you put a, a wraith blind stash it somewhere up in the pines where you know they're wandering through? Would that work? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We've actually done a little. Last year I was actually in a um, one of our sky spies, which is our one of our hang-ons, and it was a, one, a section where we knew elk right at dark were coming down from, from the timber, from the brush country. We're more brush country there between Meeker and Craig, Colorado. And they were coming down into a low area where there was an alfalfa field. Now, typically they were coming after dark, but we, there, was, there was a few times on camera where they would come just, just before dark. So I was in a a, a spice, a luminous spice guy, and uh, you know just waiting, hoping, and that was super cool. But yet also, um, you know, during the warm parts of September when you're bow hunting out there, if you're over a water hole, over a hollow, you know you could set up a ground blind. You know you got to watch those thermals, watch your wind. But absolutely, uh, people, you know, people shoot shoot elk out of those for sure. Well, what a thrill it is to watch a big whitetail buck walk below you while you're in a stand to see a, a majestic bull elk 
Oh, that would be breathtaking. It, it, it would be. I I really hope that someday I do get get to have that opportunity because for me so far with the elk that I've harvested, I mean it's it's usually running and gunning, and you know you're you're way back, you know, miles and miles from the from a vehicle. But uh, that would be something special. And isn't it nice that in all these types of hunting that we enjoy, uh, there are different ways to go about it. You know, you can sit in a blind over a water hole. You can spot and stalk. I mean, it, it, hunting is what you want to make it, I think, Charlie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, you know, I was saying really stressing the, the physical shape. I mean, you, you just got to be able to get out there. You know, like, say you go out there, you get the over-the-counter tag. You know, if you get back in there on some ground, I mean, you're out there. You're giving yourself an opportunity. There's enough There's enough hunters, you know, you can get out pushed to you. Um, that, that is the great thing about it. There is a lot of a lot of opportunity. But, Mike, I want to share one one quick event I had last sure. fall. It was so amazing. So this would have been the second to last day of me being out there. And then we hit some real bad, bad weather. And it was an evening hunt. And uh, we've gotten to know some really good people there outside of Craig, Colorado. So my buddy Bronk was set up behind me. And we were we were up on uh, in this, some pretty high brush country where we know a lot at night them elk start to move and head down, you know, like I was saying, towards the alfalfa. And uh, Bronk was set behind me, and he's cow calling every now and then and actually using a, a small little 3D uh, cow elk decoy. So if we do get an elk from a distance looking, if he sees that decoy, you know, he's, he's, he's hearing that cow call. Now he's actually seeing something, and that helps so much to get them to commit. So he's cow calling behind me, and all of a sudden I'm hearing all these, all these little cow calls, these chirps. So I, I know we've got some, some cows, some elk coming towards me so so what we had is we had a herd bull and a few satellite bulls and then a bunch of cows and they were all coming down um you know basically right on this top shelf that we were hunting so what the what the herd bull's trying to do is he's trying he he's really interested because he's hearing these cow call and he's like hey i could possibly get a few more cows into my into my herd so he's trying to use his satellite bulls and himself to kind of keep his cows coming towards this call that he's hearing, but he's got to make sure that he's not letting any of his girls that he can see, you know, get away. So, so he's pushing everything towards me in the, in the satellite bulls, two satellite bulls come in first. I pass on both of those because I know there's a herd bull. I mean, I, you could just hear him as he's getting closer and this roar that he makes, Mike, it's something I can't, it's the most, <laughs> one of the most amazing things ever. So I literally had probably six or seven cow elk literally within seven eight feet of me run right across me and this herd bull mike is down below and this is high brush country so i can't see him but he literally at one point was no more than 20 yards away me i mean me telling a story right now is making my hair on my arms uh rise in that growl that he had and he was pushing them cows pushing them and they did not all come up over you know like i said two of the satellite bulls we were within 20, 30 yards of me, and he's just below me, and I never did get to see him, but I know by the noise he was making. I mean, he was a mature, mature herd bull, and it didn't all come together, but, you know, it was so close. And, and that right there made my whole hunt out west. But it was just absolutely incredible how they work to try to do that because that herd bull wants he wants to get up there. He wants to see these new cows, but he's going to control the whole situation to make sure he doesn't lose his cows. I mean, it's it's just incredible. 
Yeah, the the, uh, the dynamics involved in that herd between the herd bull, the satellite bulls, and the cows, it, it, it's really a, a wonder of Mother Nature. It, it is. It is. And, and then to be right there, tucked into it, having these, you know, beautiful cows run with, within eight, nine feet of me, you know, and I'm sitting there with my bow in hand, and it's just like, man, it's so blessed to have that opportunity. But to, to feel that and to be in there and to live that moment, I mean, that's what gets you absolutely cranked and just want to keep going back out west and to have an experience like that, you know. Um, and again, you know, did not did not even see that herd bull, but he was so close. I could hear him breathing, mm. you know, and that because that brush country that does get thick. Just a, it was just an incredible moment for me, probably. Actually, of all the, you know, I, I killed some really nice mature, a uh, couple mature whitetail bucks, shot that cow. I shot a couple of exotics in Texas, Mike. That moment there in northwest Colorado that night, that was the highlight of my entire fall. Well, it sounds like a great experience, but I have to ask you, how big were those satellite bulls that you passed on? Well, the, the one was a, was a, was a younger, I, I know for sure he was a 4 by 4 He had a nice frame on him. Um, you know, not a very old bull. And then the other was, uh, I had a, there was a spike. And then, uh, I think the other one was, it was like a three by three, maybe a three by four. I mean, there was, there was three, four bulls, couple spikes, and then all them cows that, that, that herd bull was, you know, managing all that. If you didn't know that herd bull was right there, would you have thought about shooting that's uh, the, the bigger satellite bull? Yes. Yes, I, I would have absolutely. Because I knew we had that bad weather coming. I only had a couple days left. Um, it was just a beautiful night. I mean, it was it was a broadside shot. It would have been perfect. But with that herd bull right there and the noise he's making, and I knew how close he was, I was just visioning him just coming through <laughs> the two openings I had, you know. This is the Primal Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Primal Outdoors and their products, go to the website primaloutdoors.com. That's primaloutdoors.com. We're talking with Primal Pro Staffer, Charlie Wilsey. Charlie, if we want to find you online, do you have a website, a Facebook page? Where should people learn more about you? Well, I do have a Facebook page, and it's just uh, just my standard page, Charles Wiltsey. Um, you could go to that. You'll see you know, some, of the, some of the hunts I was on this past fall. And then, uh, you know, again, been working with Primal now uh, since 2019 when I um, got my first Iowa archery tag. That's how it all started for me. So do quite a bit of content work and uh, stuff for, for Primal. Tell me about the uh, Texas exotic hunts. Yeah, that, that was something. Uh, so we've been hunting down in Texas now. Uh, this was our third year. In the first two years, we, we hunted kind of a, we, we had our late season. So it was, it was mid-January. Um, and down there mid-January, pretty much ruts over. You know, them deer have been hunting pretty pretty hard for, for months. So this year we got it in our schedule that we wanted to try to focus on our Texas hunt for more of the prime rut. So we left um, the day after Thanksgiving, and the weather this past fall, just like everywhere, you know, everything was so inconsistent and all over the place. So when we got down to start hunting, we were down by Del Rio. So we're like right on the border, more southwest Texas, and it's a low fence. Um, you know, a lot of it's brush country, a lot of different shrubs, and, uh, and we got down there, and the the rut was 
super, super slow. I, I spent my first two days um, actually um, in a, on a race 270 because it's so hard to find trees to put um, any of our, our, our hangers in. And I hunted dark to dark. Um, I did have a few smaller bucks, but there was no rut activity going on. There was just hardly anything. So, so what we did is, and if this was, again, a low fence where it had free-range exotics. They have Audads, and they have Oryx. Well, this Oryx really started to intrigue me. Uh, my buddy Josh that we hunt with down there was telling me that the Oryx tastes a lot like elk. And my family, my oldest daughter especially, she could eat elk four days a week. So I started finding that out, and then I was like, you know, I want to har- harvest one of these Oryx. And it's just a beautiful animal, black and white, got two really long, um, up to, I think the one I shot was 40-some inches. Now, those but, those are also called a gemsbuck, right? Same animal? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I believe you are correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when Josh told me again, you know, that they taste like elk, that's what really got me, got me going. So the whitetail rut was slow. So we kind of switched gears. I was with a couple of my good buddies, a couple of guys that run camera for us. And, uh, I ended up harvesting in, in Oryx and it was probably about a 550 pound animal it was just an absolutely great experience, you know, to be able to do that, do that with my friends down there. And, um, after I did get a chance to eat it, it is absolutely delicious. So it was, it was, it was an awesome trip. Uh, we ended up shooting a few odd dads, which odd dads are just an unbelievable animal. It's looks like a, like a big billy goat with huge, huge horns. Um, and they, they are really mean and they're just a beautiful animal. So we shot a few of those. Um, and then on my last day, uh, the rut started, you could, I could just feel it. I could tell the way the does were acting and I was able to rattle in a, a mature Texas whitetail, a mainframe 10 point and harvested that on the last day within about a half hour of, uh, me getting ready to call the hunt. So it was a great Texas trip. Man, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, it, wow. was, it was pretty epic. I, you could use the word epic on that one. If Oryx and Gemsbuck are the same critter, and I think they are, I uh, I shot one of those in Africa with a bow a few years ago, and they are a big, beautiful, magnificent animal. But the, you don't realize how big they are until you walk up on one. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I had the first few days of day-to-day you know, when I was really in whitetail mode, I, I saw I saw a few. You know, I was in, in the Wraith 270 primal ground blind, so I was fairly close. So I got a little bit of a feel for the size of them. But when I really came up on the on the animal I harvested, they they are they're they're a big animal, and it's just awesome how how well they how well they eat. And again, you say this is low fence, so it's free range animals. Free range exotic. Yep, we were there in southwest Texas. Absolutely. And you were way down, down by the border. We were way down. My buddy Josh, um, who who films for us, he was hunting. He uh, wanted to try to to shoot a doe, so he was up in one of their uh, their blinds. And one morning, he had uh, four illegal immigrants come right in on him. Oh, jeez. So, I mean, we're right right there on the border. It's real. It's the real deal down there. I mean, you got border patrol all over and helicopters. And like I said, Josh had four four of them come right in on him. So it's wow. that's that adds another kind of uh, intense part of the hunt. Charlie, sounds like you had a great fall and winter season. Yeah, sure did. And we had spoke about a few of the few of the hunts that I had. Um, had some great hunts in Ohio. I had a a mainframe, just unbelievable uh, ten point that 
got me absolutely obsessed. Saw him for the first time in early November, and I hunted him really hard. And then I was in and out of Kentucky as well. So had had just a had an absolutely great fall. Charlie, how does a hardcore Michigan outdoorsman? get to the point where you are today, where you're a pro staffer for Primal, you're traveling the country on all these great adventures. How did this all happen? Well, you know, growing up in Seabling in the Thumb there, I grew up in a family of, you know, fishing and hunting, and I had a bow and arrow in my hand at a young age, and my parents were a big part of, you know, being able to supply all that for me, and I just fell in love with archery hunting. And, you know, I had a few spells where I got into duck hunting pretty heavy, but then archery always just pulled me back uh went to school at michigan state you know started uh started working for some other people and then realized you know i wanted to kind of get on my own i'm in construction and property management and development and that helps a lot you know with being on my own but just always working really hard and you know getting an opportunity like when i got my iowa tag you know me and phil gibbs we we talked with bob bob was you know just getting primal going and we said hey you know we want to work hard at this and we put together a business plan for bob you know and just taking advantage of an opportunity but working really hard at it and especially since you know that 2000 2018 2019 is when i've really been able to step it up and, and travel a lot more and hunt all over but it also helps a lot having some good business partners you know, having, you know, Brittany at home with the girls, very supportive. You know, my mom and dad, again, being very supportive. But just the passion that I have for this. And and the big thing is taking advantage of, of having the opportunities that arise. And I've been very blessed for that. You mentioned Bob. And, of course, Bob Ransom, the guy behind Primal. He, he, he's something else. He's a heck of a guy, isn't he? He sure is. Bob. Bob is an, an amazing man that's been in this industry for a long time, and he is smart at it, and he's got a ton of passion for it. And uh, I'm very blessed that I was able to get to know Bob and, and to do work for him. And he's driven. He's driven to get things done, and he's loyal. If you're loyal to him, he's just as loyal as can be. Oh, absolutely. Lo- Loyalty is everything. That's something that you know could have went along with what I was just talking about and what's got me where I am. You know, if you got that loyalty to something, you're with someone and the passion's there, you know, you can just do so many things. So, yeah, it's incredible what Bob has done and, you know, all these new items that they're bringing um, to the table. You know, some of those I would like to talk with while while we're on the phone today, blind spots. Uh, And I do want to talk about those products, but you talk about loyalty in this outdoor industry. I think loyalty is huge because you and I have both seen it. These big name TV hunters, one season they're working with somebody and the next season they get a little bit better offer and they jump ship. That's not the way, in my not so humble opinion, I guess, to make a career out of the outdoor industry. Well, I agree with you, Mike. I mean, you could still make a career out of it, but you're going to be... You're going to be fighting a lot harder. You're going to be chasing it a lot harder. But if you can get in with people that are committed, they're passionate, they've got good products like like a Bob with Primal, and you stick with them, I mean, to me, uh, that that's the way to do it. And that's you know kind of been one of my one of my things and one of the reasons I've been successful is because I am extremely loyal to to what I do, who I work for, the products that I use. Charlie, let's talk about some of those products. Uh, Bob and Prime will have some interesting things coming out. Yeah, they sure do. There's a, a number of items, and I know, I know, Mike. I had seen a, a clip that you that you had used that the Blind Spot 360 camera, right? Yeah, on a bear hunt up in Ontario. 
Yeah, I use that on that Bear Hunt Ontario. So that's a camera that we have out. That thing's super cool. So it, it basically it has its own Wi-Fi signal, and you can have that camera up to 150 feet away. The camera will pan 360 degrees, will tilt 120 degrees. You know, and, and the way I kind of explain it to people is, you know, say you're you're hunting off of a tree, off of a, a food, uh, food line. Uh, excuse me. Uh, you know, you're you're inside of a uh, inside the tree line and you've got one of these cameras set up um, just outside on the edge of the edge of the field if, as long as it's in that distance of you you know you can run that camera off your smart fan, off your smartphone on the primal cam app and you could you could turn that on and if you're trying to get a blind spot an area that you can't see an area in that field where you know them deer are coming to you can run that right right on your camera um and you know this really a game changer uh it comes with a rechargeable battery that can run all day long and uh this blind spot 360 camera i think uh if people start really seeing what it can offer it uh it really is a game changer i'll tell you how i'm looking forward to using it this spring is in the michigan turkey woods you know how it is well listen the way i hunt is i like to sit in a wraith 270 over decoys and wait the birds out and talk to them once in a while. I'm pretty darn patient. But inevitably, birds will sneak up behind me, and I don't know they're there. With that blind spot 360, I'm going to take that camera, I'm going to point it behind me, and that way nothing's going to sneak up on me again. Absolutely. Yep. And, and that's what's perfect about it. You can have that camera behind you, and anything that's coming back there, you're going to know it. You know, It gives you time to get prepared for it. That's the next big part. If you know it, you have time to get prepared. It's gonna have you're gonna have less movement. Less movement, we know, of course, is is huge, especially if you're hunting from the ground. Now it helps when you're out of a primal because we do have good concealment. But uh, but absolutely, that is a great way to use it, Mike. What else you see coming up in primals got you excited? Well, another camera that they're they're hoping to have out by this fall. It's the Outpost 360. So this camera has all the same functions as the blind spot. But what's really cool about this is now this camera will run off of your cell phone service, just like a lot of these cell self trail cameras now do. But you could be sitting here in Michigan. I could have my my Outpost 360 camera running over um, a soybean, you know, a soybean field down in in Kentucky. I'm getting ready for my early season. I could have that over a part of that field, and I could at any time I could go on my smartphone on that Primal app. And I can use that camera. I can I can zoom in. I can spam out over that field because we know for sure, you know, late afternoon when them deer start hitting them soybeans, you know, we can monitor. We can see what type of inventory we have. We can move the camera around so it's not just pictures getting sent to you. You see an animal that you really want to take a little better look on. You know, you can sit there and zoom in on it. I mean, just incredible technology. Um, and again, all just using right from your, uh, you know, from your smartphone. So that's the Outpost uh, 360 that will be coming from Primal this this fall. Well, you talk about an effective and efficient way to do remote scouting. You got it covered right there, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, this is this is another when you use that word game changer. You know, we we know that we can have our trail cameras send right to our phone, but now we can actually look at our smartphone and we can run a camera. That's down, you know, three, four, five states away, and we can zoom in and out and, and 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 span that whole field to see what we have. Or if you're inside a woods on a, you know, on a hot game trail, you can move it in and out. I mean, 
it's 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 incredible what this camera is going to be able to do. Well, I'm excited to use that. I'm excited about the upcoming spring season. I got a good season coming up. Uh, turkey hunting here in Michigan. I'm going to go back to Ontario for a springtime bear hunt. But let's talk a little bit about turkey hunting, Charlie. That's a real love of yours, isn't it? Absolutely, I absolutely love love hunting turkeys. The last three four years, been traveling more hunting them, and uh, you know what a great time in the spring to be able to get out and you know be out in the out in the field. And, uh, and chasing the beautiful, uh, you know, the beautiful wild turkey. Nothing better. What, is there anything we can be doing now to get ready for the springtime season? For example, can we go out scouting now, or are the birds still flocked up, and by the time we get out there for hunting season, it's going to be a whole different ballgame? Well, I would, I would advise if you can get out there and, and you can start getting a little inventory of, you know, the, the birds are still going to be quite, you know, quite flocked up. Um, but you get an idea of, you know, how many birds you got in that area. And then as, you know, we get through here at the end of winter, which we know we're getting we're getting close to spring, just try, if you can, to do a little bit of consistent scouting. That scouting can go so, so far. Because just like you said, Mike, you know, you're kind of more, you like to be able to set up in a, in a primal ground blind. You like to do some, some random calling from time to time, you know, using a decoy. But if you can get out, you can do some more spring scouting. Even... What I really like is that two to three weeks before the season. So now that now these turkeys are they're kind of broke up where they want to be. They're starting to roost more consistently in the same areas. And if you can get out there and spend some time in that early morning, and especially after those birds get off the off the roost, if if that if they're possibly roosting consistently not on your property, but you know that eventually throughout the morning in their natural patterns they're starting to come onto your property. Now you're getting an idea of, okay, well, around 9, 10 o'clock, we're starting to see some birds here. And I guarantee you, if you spend a couple weeks scouting before season, you're going to start seeing a real pattern of those birds coming down. A lot of times that same trail going into that field around that same time. And that's going to set you up perfectly for the opener when turkey season comes. Charlie, here in Michigan, we can now hunt turkeys from a tree stand. Have you ever tried that? I have. I have. Um, I absolutely love it. I was actually just talking with Ellie. Uh, with with primal tree stands, and I told her my number one goal for this spring, and I'm going to be hunting in three to four different states for turkeys, but my number one goal is to shoot a mature tom out of a primal tree stand. You know, and that's can it kind of go back to Mike what I was just saying about that scouting. So if I know where the birds are roosting, typically what I will do then is I'll I'll find I'll make sure I can confirm the confirm the roost. And what I'm going to do then is I'm going to find where I want to where I want to set that tree stand. Where the birds when they hit the ground, where they're typically going, or even even after when they hit the ground, Mike, and, and you know as the morning starts and then they circle back and they start to do their normal pattern, that scouting is going to tell me where usually they're going to be showing up at. And I'm going to find a you know a really good tree. And my number one goal is to, to shoot a turkey out of a primal tree stand this spring. Well, I will look forward to seeing the video and the pictures from that, and I'll wish you luck on that hunt, Charlie. i got to tell you, it's always a pleasure, and I appreciate you joining us on this edition of the Primal Podcast. Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure talking with you. All right, good hunting to you. We'll talk again soon. That's Charlie Wilsey, a Primal Pro Staffer. If you want to follow his adventures, you can find him on Facebook as Charles Wilsey. And if you want to learn more about Primal Outdoors, go to the website primaloutdoors.com. That's primaloutdoors.com. My name is Mike Avery, and I will talk with you next time right here on the Primal Podcast.